Welcome to Autoimmune Revolution Radio. I'm your host, Justin Janoska, clinician and founder of the Autoimmune Revolution. After watching my mom suffer with autoimmune disease, I have made it my mission and purpose to help people like you. Unlock the door to better results, regain control of your body, and feel like yourself again. I want you to become an autoimmune alchemist and get your life back. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. May you be filled today with joy, abundance, and loving kindness. Peace and love. All right, welcome back to Autoimmune Revolution Radio. I am super psyched for this week's episode. I have a special guest with me, which is quite rare. I don't have many guests on my show, but I'm pleased to have Ali Cass with me, who is a functional health and fitness coach who hails from St. Pete's, right? Correct, Florida. Yes. yes. But she is from, originally, the, in the great state of Texas. Texas. <laughs> from the great state of Texas, right? Yes. Awesome. Well, I'm really happy that you're here, and we're going to dive into a couple things, but I, you know, let me just frame this for the audience here and say that I met Allie through social media, like most people these days, and I was really drawn to her work, and she's in involved with a lot of metabolic health issues and things that, you know, I do myself, and she also has a very uh, important and um, deep history with uh, trauma, which is actually something that I was drawn to initially when I spoke to her and met her for the first time. Actually, this is the first time we're meeting in person, but we've uh, spoken on the phone before. Okay, so Allie, how about you start off by giving the audience a brief understanding of your background and what got you motivated into helping people and being a coach? And uh, let's start with that. That's a great question. So first I want to say one of the things that drew me to your work in particular was how you take health concepts and then you incorporate the ideology that things like trauma, um, emotions, other things actually affect us at a physiological level. So that is a very, very much my own experience in my own health journey. And that is what prompted me to start doing this work as well with people. So um, I really got into this field after my mom was diagnosed with stage three brain cancer. I graduated college. Um, I moved across the country and quickly found out that she only had nine months left to live. I became one of her primary caregivers. And in that process, I really started to experience some of the downfalls of the Western medical system. And I became very passionate about asking the question, what makes someone truly healthy? I think it was kind of a coping mechanism for me at the time, but I started diving into a ton of research on my own and learning about nutrition, learning about integrative health, um, even as far as learning how past traumas, beliefs, perceptions, things like that, how that affects not only our health at a biological level, but our resiliency and our ability to overcome health conditions. Um, Fast forward about nine months, she passed away, and then that's when I really started this journey. I embarked on my own health journey with a coach, and she absolutely transformed my life. Now, if you go back um, a couple of years, I was in a relationship when I was in high school, the first time I ever really experienced something traumatic. Um, he unfortunately committed suicide. I was on the phone with him when it happened, and it was something at the time that I just dealt with and I thought, oh, I'm just being strong. I'm a strong person. And I just kind of moved forward in my life, never really giving it a lot of second thought. It wasn't until after my mom passed away that I started noticing a lot of 
grief that I had been holding on to both from that situation and from her loss. Um, and I started to kind of notice how that was affecting me, um, my health, how I was showing up in the world. And I didn't really understand because nobody was really talking about those things at that time. So I embark on this health journey of my own. Um, I got great results. I ended up going into a bodybuilding route for a couple of years that really served a purpose at that point in time in my life because it gave me an outlet to channel that anger and channel that grief. But it also became very unhealthy at the same time, as you know, and I know you've talked about this before. But um, I then just became very passionate about sharing all of this information with other women and people in particular. And I always joke that it's been like the biggest rabbit hole I've ever gone down, but the more I learn and the more I'm exposed to, the more passionate I become about sharing the message with other people and helping them really understand what it means to be truly healthy. Because like you say, it's not just nutrition, it's not just the protocol. And sometimes it's doing less and, and taking those things out of our life that are keeping us down. And I've experienced that um, so many times throughout my own journey. Um, when I was 27, unfortunately, I also lost my father to cancer. And after his death, I had to really take a good hard look at myself and start asking myself what burdens I was continuing to carry, what I thought I had moved through that I hadn't, that was still affecting me, not just mentally, but physically as well. I went through about a six month period where I was doing all the right workouts, eating all the right things, taking all the right supplements. And I just did not feel like myself. I was exhausted all the time. Um, my gut health was not great. My hormones were whacked. Um, and it wasn't until I realized that it was what I was continuing to not let go of at an emotional level that was holding me back. That's when I really started the true healing journey. And it's been a game changer. And it's something I'm so passionate about because I see it in so many of my clients, friends, family, um, women in general out there who think that they need the next exercise routine or they need the next diet. And what they really need is to understand um, what burdens and what grief and what trauma they're still carrying around and how that's not only affecting them mentally and emotionally, but physically as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And I remember when you first told me this and I, I, my immediate thought was, wow, she's been through a lot more than I've heard in a while and maybe more than any client I've ever worked with. Uh, not to say we got to compare, but it's just, that's a lot of, a lot of an avalanche of things. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's, one of the things that really excited me about talking to you is to go into that because I think, like I told you before we recorded, you might be um, one of the most resilient people I've ever met because that's not an easy thing to just kind of move through. So I guess I would ask you to follow up there. What was it for you that allowed you to um, kind of just move on and write the next chapter of your, of your life and you know not be overwhelmed and consumed by that? trauma? That's a great question. It has definitely been a challenging and overwhelming journey and it hasn't been easy. I've had many, many lows, just as many, if not more highs or than I've had with highs. But I, for me, it was, it was always that idea of, I never realized how strong I was until I had no other choice. Now, I think a lot of people are put in those situations and they have to be strong and then they don't understand that they don't necessarily need to live in that place and it's not really healthy to live in that place long term. But I always felt that personally my life was meant for something bigger and something more. And so I never wanted to accept that I was a victim in anything. I always felt that there was an opportunity to learn and grow from my experience, even if it sucked and didn't feel good in the moment or even years afterward. But I just, 
I've gone through periods of life like many people have, especially when you experience trauma, where I felt like I was just existing. And one of the unfortunate but beautiful things about losing people you care about at such a young age, age is it really puts life into perspective for you. Um, one of the biggest things losing my mom was I saw her work her entire life to have this idea of what she was going to do when she retired and she never made it to that point. And it really just put things into perspective that tomorrow is never guaranteed. And so I just became very passionate about living life to the fullest and helping others do the same because I think one of the, for me, one of the biggest issues I have with the society that we live in is everybody, or a lot of people I should say, mm -hmm. are just going on autopilot. They're, we're walking around like zombies. We aren't very happy. We live for the weekend. And life is such a beautiful gift. And I think if you don't take the time and appreciation to experience it, I like, I just, I don't want to wake up when I'm 80 and think, holy cow, I just lived my entire life and I'm not even happy with it. So it's always that question. I, I always tell people, I try to ask myself the question, if I found out I was going to die in a month, would I be happy with the way that I was living? And so I try to keep that perspective. And it's, of course, it's challenging and I, I don't always do a great job of it. But just having that frame of reference is really helpful to understand how I want to live and be more intentional with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I think the one thing as you were talking, I was thinking about was, do you... Are you someone who thinks far into the future? Not that far, but like, you know, people will be like, I have a trip planned next August. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing tomorrow. And, you know, I'm not to say that you shouldn't plan things, but do you, does that bother you or is that not your style? Do you kind of, I know, you know, we can talk about your gypsy life in a minute too, but <laughs> I'm not sure if that's part of why you do what you do, but, um, and how you live, but. You know, what's your take on that? Because I think that's an important thing. You you have this idea, ideal vision of your future and your life and your mom never reached it. Mm -hmm. So does that yeah. influence how you live today, do you think, to some, some degree? Absolutely. I think for me, it's been trying to find that balance. So I, I absolutely hate when people ask me, like, what's your five-year plan or what's your 10-year plan? I have a general idea of the direction I'd like to go in life, the things I'd like to accomplish, what I want for my future. But I'm not so attached to exactly what that looks like and how it unfolds that I feel the need to have a step-by-step -step plan of knowing what I'm doing or what's going to happen every single day, every single week, every single month. Um, and so I do believe in putting in the discipline and the sacrifice today for something that I want tomorrow. But I also think that it's so important, and that's been one of the things that has been a big value for me throughout my life, is to enjoy life as it is today and not get so wrapped up in focusing on that end goal, if it's an achievement or um, something with your health, something with your career, that I'm no longer able to enjoy the present moment. So it's kind of finding that balance for me. But um, obviously, as you experienced, I let you know I was coming into town like three days before. So if that gives you any indicator of how I typically uh, live, then this, yes. Um, so I try to plan, but it's not not my style to that degree. I like to be a little bit more flexible and just kind of let things unfold how they unfold. Yeah, yeah, right. That's that's kind of how I I I'm I'm wired too. I, I my joke is I don't like to plan more than 3 hours in advance. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, responsibly you have to, but um I'm with you on that because I think you know, if we get it's really about attachment. It's not about like I can't have a vision or a goal, a 5 year 5 year plan, 10 year plan, but I think to your point, it's about being attached to that and, and always thinking about that all the time and being stuck in the future or the past is not great for us, right? Right. 
Uh, so what, you know, what is it that you see uh, with your clients the most? I'm really curious. I actually don't know this, but like, what is it that you're finding yourself uh, helping people with the most and like, where are they getting stuck? So most of my clients come to me, their, their overall goal is typically weight loss. There's mm -hmm. usually some kind of health component. Maybe they want to balance their hormones. They want to have more energy, things like that. But the overarching goal typically is weight loss. And then once we go through the discovery process, for most of my clients, I discover that there's some sort of dysfunction kind of below the surface, so to speak. So everybody thinks that, you know, I just need to exercise more. I need to go on a diet. And for some people that can help, that might be the case. But for my clients, what I find is that they are high achievers, they're business owners, they're career women, they're mothers. Um, they're putting themselves at the bottom of their priority list. Like a lot of your people, they're people, they're people pleasing um, and they have very weak boundaries. So when it comes to truly taking care of themselves, there's not a lot going on there. And so regardless of what we're doing from a nutrition perspective or a training perspective or a protocol perspective or anything like that, the kind of overarching theme is that they need to have better boundaries. They need to put themselves first. Um, we really need to prioritize what's truly important in their lives, um, whether you know it's, it's all the other things, all the other demands and the people, or if it's truly their healing and their journey. And one conversation that I have with a lot of clients is I really pride myself on getting to know them at a pretty deep level. And I always want to create a safe space for them. And so I really value that personal connection. And what I typically find when I start to get to know them is that a lot of them have some sort of emotional trauma or some sort of something experience that they are carrying still from the past. And so I'm a big advocate of working with other practitioners, whether that's therapists or other mental health professionals um, to kind of complement what I'm doing with them, because I really believe that in order to truly heal, you have to look at it from a very like rounded and holistic perspective. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's a tough world to be there, I think. Yeah. Do you find that your clients have been through a lot, have tried a lot of things and not been very successful by the time they get to you? Absolutely. And I think that when they have tried things and they have been successful, it hasn't been sustainable, hence why they're they're back with me. So what is it that you see as a major red flag as far as what is kind of going on in the health industry maybe that uh, is a common theme that threads through your work? And I'm just really curious what you see. One of the things that I see that I think is a red flag, at least for a lot of the women that come to me, is this marketing and this idea of, you know, I'm totally going to transform my body, my health, my life in six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. I used to run programs like that from the fitness perspective, and they can be helpful for certain individuals. But when my clients come to me, they usually have so much dysfunction going on that the healing process, not even focusing on weight loss or body composition, anything like that, what it really takes for them to heal internally is going to take longer than that. And so that's kind of a hard conversation to have because nobody wants to hear that it's going to take six months, 12 months, possibly longer than that. And I think that that's one thing I don't love about the overall marketing and the fitness and the health and the, the diet industry is that we promote quick fix, quick fixes and we live in a society where everyone wants that immediate gratification. I mean, I would be lying if I said that I really wanted to wait a year to see a result on something. So it is the world that we live in, but it's really understanding that when a client comes to me, even if they want to lose weight, it's not just about losing weight. It's about 
fixing their health, getting them a strong, solid foundation, addressing the mental, emotional, psychological things that are going on that they're experiencing that are keeping them in that state, and then working on everything else. Yeah, right on, exactly. Do you find that the majority of the people you work with are struggling in some capacity with uh, trauma or emotions or whatever you want to call it. Some people get weirded out by the word trauma because they think that I don't have it, right? I'm not sure if you've heard that yourself, yeah. but do you find, I'm just curious uh, if that's something you see a lot, if people have instability there or they're struggling in that department, like that's what I see a lot of times. And I'm wondering if that's a big impediment as to why they're not losing weight, for example, if they're doing all the right things. Absolutely. I see it in varying degrees for different people, obviously, depending on, you know, what you want to argue is maybe the severity of something. And I, I don't really believe in that either because I don't believe in comparing. I think that someone's reality is determined by their perception of their reality. And so, um, you know, that's kind of a subjective thing, but I do see that a lot, um, whether, you know, somebody truly went through a big loss or whether, you know, they had something that we might see as smaller um, happen to them or something that they're still experiencing. But absolutely. And one thing that I find with women, because I work with women um, in particular, is that oftentimes when they've carried that for a long time, it becomes part of their identity and part of their story. And when you are trying to create a new reality for yourself, you have to create a new identity. And there can be some resistance in letting go of you know, that, that old identity, even when we know that we're not happy, we don't feel good and it's no longer serving us, it can be scary to make that jump. And so that's something that I try to work with them on is, is really looking at how they view themselves, how they view their relationship with the world and what that looks like in the context of a health transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely see that a lot too. I think that's, uh, I think we're no different there than a lot of other practitioners, perhaps. Uh, it's just about, are you aware of it? And, and, you know, to me, I just go, it's not even about following through on a pr uh, protocol or, or, yeah, there's some issues with that maybe and why it's not working. But a lot of times I think it's because we get in our, in our own way. Uh, no judgment, of course, you know, we all do it like myself, but like we don't realize that we have, we have these stuck uh, limiting beliefs perhaps and attachments to old identities, like you said, that because some people not sure if you've seen this, will try, it's weird, I've seen this actually a couple of times where people will try to actively pursue their health issue and deal with it and they're, you know, taking all the right measures, but the thing that is kind of stopping them from getting where they want to be is probably subconsciously this need to be where they are. And it's kind of like this paradox um, that they don't, you know, again, we don't see it as individuals doing this. You need someone else to kind of point it out to you. Do you see that yourself? Do you don't? Do you know? I know what you're I mean? talking about. Yeah, yeah, I had this conversation last week with someone um, who I think consciously she genuinely wants to change and she wants to get healthier and she wants to transform all of these things. But in my communication with her and in the relationship we've developed, I I believe at a subconscious level there is perhaps a story that's if I'm, if I'm not sick or if I'm not this, you know, who's going to show up for me? Who's going to love me? And so there, there is that, um, that paradox of we want to change these things, but when we are attached to that story or when that story has, we've assigned a certain meaning to it, um, there can be that resistance and, and it's, yeah, I see that though. 
Yeah, not to go deep into this, but when I think about it from a kind of therapy standpoint, I look at these as parts, as uh, sub-personalities, you might say, where a part of you wants to heal and is that active go-getter or whatever proactive health advocate. And then a part of you is still, um, and there, we have many parts, myself included, you, you probably do too. And, and there's that part that's kind of protecting you and saying, no, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't become better and get healthier and, and have X, Y, Z because it's easier and, and more comfortable and more familiar. And that's what the brain likes, right? So it is, it is really challenging. And, I, and my argument, I don't know about you, Allie, but my argument is that that's probably where people need the most support with um, because, yes, if we're always looking outside and trying to fix things uh, with the body and looking at the external world in the environment to see what's causing the illness or dis-ease, right, and we miss this, how, maybe this explains why we're not where we want to be. Right, absolutely, you know? or why we can't stay where we want to be. Yeah. That makes me, I did a recent dive into internal family systems, so parts Okay, work. so you know yes, what I'm talking I do about. Know what you're talking I didn't say about. the yes. words. I wasn't sure if you would, okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's something I learned recently. I knew I liked you. Yeah. I thank you. Um, but I know, I, I, I do believe that, and it's something I've been assessing in myself, and I think for people too, what they need to realize is that we have these different parts, and perhaps the part that's keeping you stuck or keeping you sick at this point in time was once serving you, it was protecting you, it was keeping you safe, whether that was mentally, emotionally, or, or truly physically in some capacity. But the reality is, is the world as it is now might not look the same as it did five or 10 years ago. And so I think learning to acknowledge those parts and work with them as opposed to resist them and shut them down because every single part of us is there to help us, whether it's truly helping us now or not. Yes, yes, you said exactly what I would hope you say. <laughs> yeah, it's true and that's, I think it's important to reemphasize for the listener because we might get hard on ourselves for self-sabotaging and being stuck with this addiction or overeating and procrastinating and whatever self-sabotage, uh, um, destructive, whatever you want to call it, behavior. And if you hear what Ali's saying, and I, I've, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the, on the show, but it's true in the sense that these parts are not bad. They, they're all, all parts are welcome, as we say, and they have a purpose. They're there to um, serve you. They were there to serve you and save your life. Even a suicidal part, or, you know, it's very deep stuff. And I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but this, this is, this helps like destigmatize this and it gives space to accept that there are parts of you that um, really were there to to protect you and save your life. Now, now at this point in time, uh, now that you're an adult, it's not the the roles are not needed, and they need to learn a different uh, responsibility, right? right? And that's sort of the challenge with, and that's why IFS I think is great. But thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, okay, so where was I um, with this? So I guess I'm I'm I wanted to know what is it that. What do you think it takes for someone, you know, because you've you have experience, of course, with cultivating resiliency, and I think you're a, a special type of person who can do it. But what do you, what do you, what have you done? What do you do to help cultivate resiliency in a client? Right? What if? Well, I don't know if you know the answer, but I would love to hear your thoughts. So with clients, one of the things that I do first and foremost, obviously, is finding out why. That's, I mean, I think all. All practitioners and coaches in our industry most likely have that in some form. So really finding out what the deep 
driver is for wanting them to change because it's a lot, in my experience personally, it's a lot easier to be resilient when you have, you know, a deep desire that's driving something. So for me, a lot of my desire, let's say in my career has been wanting to make meaning and purpose out of my mom getting a very random diagnosis and and dying before she should have. And so um, for me, that's been a really big driver. And like anything, I've had ups and downs. And when I'm down, I try to keep that in perspective. Um, And I always tell clients too, it's not about being perfect. It's not about doing things right 100% of the time because that's never going to happen. No one's ever going to do that. It's how quickly can we get back to baseline? How quickly can we keep moving forward? And how can we build that resiliency. So really finding their why, having something strong that they can connect to. And something that's been very prevalent for me in my own health journey is understanding that healing is not just physical, it's spiritual as well. And I'm not talking about a particular religion or a particular ideology, but whatever that means to an individual. So sometimes with clients, I will recommend books to them that I think or would be very beneficial for them, or exercises, whether that's gratitude, journaling, um, meditation, visualization, other things that I think they might resonate with. And again, that's dependent on the person, but helping them connect internally with themselves, because I think that is one of the keys, or it has been a key for me in building resiliency over the years, is deepening that connection and that relationship with myself and what my own spirituality is. Um, And that gives me a greater sense of purpose and a bigger field energetically, so to speak, um, to pull from when I when I don't feel like I can do it or I don't feel like I can get back up on my own. And for a lot of people that is religion and other people it's not. And so I think just building that awareness for clients and, and help helping them get the tools and the resources um, or whether that's other practitioners to help them in that part of their journey can be really huge for that, that healing process. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I I've talked about that quite a bit. I think with clients, I still do, but I did a whole episode on that. I think as well, spirituality. But she's right. If you hear what Ali's saying, and this is tough because some people think it's all about religion. And my mom's very religious, right? So I know that uh, for her, that was her source of strength when she had nothing, literally. Um, and if you know about her story, uh, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. But she didn't have a lot going on and that was that was what she leaned on to get her through the dark times right totally fine but when we talk about spirituality it's really got to do with what is sacred and and valuable and vital um in your life and that can include religion or a deity but it's not required right it it can from my understanding and what i learned in school (laughs) was that uh it is this active pursuit of well self-transcendence and in search for connection, meaning, and purpose, like Ali said. And yeah, I think that's I hit the nail on the head there. You know, having meaning and purpose is maybe the thing that re uh, kickstarts, reignites resilience again, maybe. Yeah, that, that and a, right? a lot of coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, sponsored by Night Rider Coffee, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> uh, great, love that. So what, um, just thinking out loud here, what would you say is the best piece of advice you can give for someone who, because listen, a lot of people want to lose weight and maybe that's not the only thing, but it's obviously a big objective for many women, um, especially what I see 
Uh, but for those who have done a lot of things uh, and have come up short, what is your, I mean, maybe there's a couple things you might say, so I'll leave it up to you, but what sort of, sort of advice do you have for people who feel really burned out from doing all the things? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great question because I, there are a lot of people who have tried a lot of things. As cliche as it sounds, just not giving up. I don't know if it's a personality trait of mine or what it is, but I refuse to believe that if I want to accomplish something or I want to know something, I refuse to believe that the answer is not out there. I just believe that maybe I haven't found the right person, the right source of information, the right resource, whatever that is, that I just haven't found it yet or it hasn't presented itself to me. So I genuinely think if you truly want something, whether it's you know healing, your health, uh, weight loss, whatever it is, and it hasn't worked out for you so far, don't give up. That's actually one thing that used to really bother me is when someone said, well, I've tried everything. And if there's one thing I've learned in this industry is the more I learn, the less I know. So when I say, when someone says that to me and they say, I've tried everything, my answer is usually, but you don't even know what possibilities that are there that you don't know. So continue to seek out practitioners or um, whatever kind of resource you need, um, because I, I just genuinely believe that there's always, almost always an answer, um, and there has been so far for me in life. Um, so that, and then I think practicing self-awareness is such a big thing for people who want to get started on their health journey or perhaps haven't maybe had as much success, and that can mean whatever you want it to mean. It can be self-awareness around what you're eating, what you're engaging in on a daily basis, your habits, or it can mean self-awareness around your self-talk, your identity, what's going on internally. And oftentimes it's a combination of all of those things. So you can't change what you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. So practicing awareness first and taking a step back and try to look at yourself from a more objective perspective and, and not jump straight to assigning a meaning or an emotion or whatever to something, you know, take a step back. And I just heard this recently process before panic. So take a step back to, to process something before you just panic about something. And I think it gives you a much better perspective and it gives you a better frame of reference to move forward with. And, and in truth, if you process and you give it enough time, you probably won't panic. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's kind of the, the side, um, uh, what am I saying there? <laughs> it's kind of like, kind of like one of the one of the goals with that. Um, all right, so I'd like to kind of wrap up here with uh, throwing some random questions at you. If you're oh, cool with that. yes. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about this earlier, and I said, "All right, we'll just go with this and see what happens." So, who inspires you the most right now in this world that we live in? Oh my goodness. You I know. should have told me this before. That'd be cheating. I can't do that. What <laughs> inspires me the most? It does not be the most, but somebody that comes to mind that you gather, draw uh, some inspiration from. I don't know. I don't know that I have one specific person. I honestly, I find inspiration in a lot of the day-to-day -day things. When I hear a story about someone overcoming something or when I just see okay. somebody make yeah. a, a move or a pivot in their life that I'm like, I know that's scary. That inspires me. Um, I had a friend recently who went through a really difficult time with her business, her relationship, um, some family issues. And I really saw her downfall over like nine to 12 months. And then I talked to her a couple months later and she was just 
she just started implementing all these things that she knew were going to help her. And I just, I was so inspired. I was like, I need to get my, can we cuss on this show? Do what you want. I, I need to get my shit together. <laughs> but, um, you know, in that moment, she inspired me. So I just, I draw a lot of inspiration from everyday people, you know, the ordinary person doing extraordinary cool. things. Yeah. I love that. That's good. It should be about anything, not just a person right. or a thing. Right. Okay. What is something in your daily routine that you can't really afford to skip or you don't want to skip and it can't be coffee? Oh, that is so rude. Because <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, oh, my goodness. How, okay, so it would be coffee if I was allowed to say that. Um, I would say practicing gratitude in some sort of fashion, whether that's genuinely writing it down in a journal or just taking a couple minutes to reflect and appreciate. I don't do that every day, but I can tell when I don't do that. And so mm. it's something that's more recently become more of a non-negotiable for me um, because it, it just, again, it really puts things into perspective for me and it puts me in a mindset where I'm attracting a lot more abundance in my life in whatever form that is at the moment. And that's how I like to live. Yeah, I, I have to be better with that. I have been on and off with it like you probably, like you're saying. But yeah, like you, like you said, you don't come from that place of lack or that uh, place of inadequacy. Right. You're not stuck there so much, even if things aren't going well. Mm -hmm. If you're not, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, being a health, uh, functional health and fitness coach, what would you be doing instead? I think that I would be, well, so... I do a little bit of real estate investing on the side. I know we've talked about that before. It's something that I'm passionate about. Um, I think I would be doing something deeper into real estate if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. So when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be an architect. I would sit and I would draw floor plans when I was like seven and eight years old. And my parents talked me into going into a little more stable of a route. So I was a finance and economics major before I got into this line of work and realized it was my passion. But I, I love houses, I love buildings, I love the history, I love the story behind them. Um, I love how, you know, we live in such a digital world and I love the tangibility, if that's, that's a word, it is now. But I love how tangible a, a home or a building is. And so I think I would be doing something in that. Now, if it wasn't that, I think I'd be doing something in travel. So mm -hmm. I, I lived in a national park for a year and a half. It was one of the best experiences of my life. And in that time period, I was like, I'm going to be a backpack guide. Um, I don't know that I'd want to do that now, but um, I love nature. I love traveling and I love like helping other people experience that connection that you get when you actually disconnect. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the one thing you want to accomplish in this life that you haven't achieved yet? I just want to continue to make an impact. I'm, I'm not one of those people. I don't have a, I want to impact 10,000 people or 100,000 people. I don't have that kind of number tied to it. Mm -hmm. But I want to continue to provide value. At this point in time, it's primarily with women in their health journey. Um, but overall, I, I just want to be somebody who lives a life that when I'm not here anymore, the people that I've left behind can say that I, I made their life better for being in it. And that's, that's really what it's about for me. Yeah, love it. So maybe that answers this next question, but what's the most rewarding thing about your job right now? Oh, it's absolutely just helping someone get to a place that they never thought that they could be, whether that's physically or whether it's mentally, whether it's emotionally, or just shifting their perspective of life. Um, again, a lot of clients come to me for weight loss, and it's great when we, we hit those numbers or we achieve those goals. 
but just to see them almost change their personality and their perception of themselves in their life to me is is much 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 more rewarding and that's why in a lot of my marketing and a lot of my conversations I never make it about weight loss or Mm -hmm. um, a specific condition because it's about who they become as a person in the process of achieving that goal so just watching somebody grow and flourish and, and know that I was able to give them the tools or hold the space for them to be able to become that next level version of themselves yeah love it love it okay uh describe yourself in two words Ooh, this is hard. <laughs> but like currently I'm very jazzed because I just had a lot of coffee. I would say, well, resilient, it's it's funny that you brought that up earlier because that's a word that I would use to describe myself almost to the point that it's become somewhat of a value for me personally mm-hmm. and adventurous. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I try to convince myself that like I don't thrive in routine, but I really do. But then when I'm in a routine for too long, I'm like, okay, we need to get out of here. So I I I I'm the same. Yeah, <laughs> it can be like a, just a very small day-to-day adventure. But again, it's like life Life is so cool, even when it's not. And there's so many things to experience and there's so many things to do. And so I just, I don't know, I want to experience life to the fullest in many different capacities. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, all, I'm clearly, I'm driving across the country right now in my new camper van. So adventure is always a big thing for me. Yeah, that's great. And final question. Um What's the one thing you wish people in this world would understand better? I think in the context of this conversation, understanding when it comes to health that what is happening internally, be it mentally and emotionally, affects you physically. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't know that there are enough practitioners talking about it. I think it's something that's really started coming to light more in the last couple of decades, but more so probably the last five to 10 years. I know you're, you do a lot of work and you're huge into this. So I'm super grateful for people like you who are spreading this education and this awareness. But, um, I think that as a society, if we want to be healthier, if we want to have better quality of life and we want to have a better experience while we're here, that's something that we all need to understand because as we can clearly see, we, you know, have the most advanced medical technologies. We have all the things yet we are sicker than we've ever been in the history of our society. And so understanding that true health goes much deeper than the surface. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. All right. Um, You know, I actually want to mention quickly, a friend of mine yesterday was posting something about a study around how they show that when you you, you may have seen this stuff where you talk to plants or you, or and they show they show how they how they can respond to that. Yes, yeah. And I think this is in the context of a sunflower. Um, I can't remember exactly what they did, but there was a sunflower seed, and they put it in in water, let it freeze or whatever, and then all of a sudden it turned and created this sort of like mosaic type thing, kind of like this trippy stuff on the TV you're looking at. And it actually made a sunflower just from – anyway, so the whole conclusion was like, yeah, thoughts and the energy that you're creating in, internally is going to matter at a cellular level. And that's such a deep conversation and and something that I think, to your point, not many people know about 
or want to know or are willing to explore because it's not easy. It's right. it's, it's not something you can just buy on Amazon Prime, right, and right. fix your whole life, right? So It's so cool, though, because not to go off on a tangent, but, you know, so many people, I experiences with women are, like, self-proclaimed control freaks. But when you really understand what you truly have control of, you're like, you have a lot more control than you think. So people focus on, you know, wanting to control the things that they can't, and then the things that they actually can control are the things that are really going to matter for them and, and actually move the needle in the direction that mm -hmm. they want. So it's, it is, it's like, the more you know, the more responsibility that comes with that. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. But um, when you, when you learn those things, I think that it gives you so many more tools and, and so many more things that you can use in order to transform your life. Yeah, right on. Great. Awesome. Well, how can people find you? Give me all the numbers and details and things. Yes. So I am on Instagram primarily. My handle is at Health. You can also visit my website, Um, I'd love to connect with you. Is that C-A-S-S, -S, right? It is. C-A-S-S. -S. You might want to spell it A-L-L-I. A-L-L-I-E. C-A-S-S. -S. Allie with an I-E. She's one of those. Yeah. I am one of those. I know. I know. <laughs> that's good. Love it. Anything else? No, I no? think that's it. Okay, Thank you for great. having me. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I adore you. And go check her out, everybody. She's great. Um, and she will have a lot of great things to share with you, I'm sure. All right. I will catch you all next time on Autoimmune Revolution Radio. Peace and love.